Something providential happened after I gave the sermon, The Children of God Are Not Forgotten. I was graced with the testimony that God's children, they are remembered by the Good Shepherd whose hand of providence comes to guide us throughout this world in mysterious ways. Now, I'm going to be sharing a bit of an interesting testimony with you all today, so if you stick with me, you're going to hear all that. And it's kind of fun because you get to walk with this through me in real time as we see the hand of providence work around us, even about things that have happened long in the past. So really, really fascinating thing happened that we have to give praise and glory to God over. But today we're going to be looking at a message called The Children Are Remembered. And this really is part two of what I gave a message on last week, The Children Are Not Forgotten. And today we're going to be reminded that we are living in fallen creation. And we must be armed to deal with the stumbling blocks in the world around us. God is going to give us the tools to navigate through this life if we will live with him as our shepherd. So thank you for joining us. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm here to, to host with you, Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there's one other with me here in the studio. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And Pastor Anthony here, he's also seen this movie, 1917. Um, we may have a little bit of a discussion about that here at the very end, so stick around for that because it is relevant to this conversation. And if you haven't seen it, you can still enjoy all of this and hopefully learn some things which will help us move through the difficult times of life because while I say the word enjoy, a lot of this stuff is very serious and it's something which to find joy from God after seeing such great tragedies, it is very, very difficult. So again, as I said earlier, something really providential happened. And today we're going to be looking at the second half of a message titled, The Children Are Not Forgotten. In the previous message, we examined a scene in the World War I movie titled 1917 where a young British soldier, he stows away in the basement of a ruined building in a ruined town to hide from the handful of German soldiers who were killing and destroying all the remaining life and value in that town. Now, while that soldier was hidden away in the night, thinking he was alone, he found that he wasn't. In this basement, he stumbled upon a French girl that was his age, and she had a baby with her. But the baby was not her own. All three were starving. They were exhausted, caught in the middle of war, in the middle of night, with almost no hope of survival. In this scene, it paints a true evil of war. It paints the true wickedness that happens in these places. And it is a place where God's children, they are pulled into terrible places of misery and death. And I watched that scene with great agony in my heart, for I know that many of the children in such scenarios did not survive. I looked to my own family history, and my great-uncle Buford, he was an American soldier who married a German girl there in the midst of World War II. And world, in World War II, uh, my great-aunt Anne, who was, again, she was a German kind of teenager going into the young adult years, she watched as her baby brother died of starvation in the throngs of Nazi Germany. And when I watch that scene in that movie, and when I look at my own family history, I want to believe that such places of war are hell. That such a place where death comes for soldiers and bystanders alike, it must be hell. But then I realized that such places could not be hell because God's presence is there. The movie 1917 shows the subtle presence of God's hand by showing that milk has been providentially provided for the child. And it happens through miraculous means, but the child does have milk to help it survive. Now, when I watched this, I prayed that the milk would be enough that the real children who have really lived through these situations, they would find hope. And even as I preached this message just a week before now, my heart was still longing for that hope. 
I thought about that child in the movie. I thought about my, my young niece and even my cousins who were about that age. And I, all I could do was think about the many children who were trapped in such horrible places. And even as a pastor, I'm wondering, God, where is your hand? Let your hand come and help these children to survive. And then something providential happened. So after I gave that message, the children are not forgotten. I gave it here at the church, and I gave it here online with all of you who watch online. And I went over to preach at a nursing home. It's one of the various things that we do here. And I went over to preach at a nursing home. There was um, another lady from the church who went with me to help me get things set up. And as we're getting things set up, there's a lady who comes into the room in a wheelchair. Now, of course, this is an uncommon thing. People are always coming in a little bit early, and we're at a nursing home, so people tend to be coming in wheelchairs and things. Well, this lady, she comes in a little bit early, and she's crying and a little bit upset. And, you know, I've done pulled the pulpit out and things, so I'm going to go over there and talk with her, um, see what sort of things are going on in her life. And when I approach her, she looks up at me and she says, Preacher, I want to tell you something. I'm German. And when I was two years old, I was in Germany during World War II. And when I was two years old in the height of the war, I was taken out of Germany and brought to America so that I could be free of the war. Now, when this lady told this to me, I was just completely floored because this is exactly what I'd just been preaching on a few moments earlier. This is just absolutely too much to take in. This is something where I knew the hand of providence had to be involved in this because it, the coincidence would just be too great. And so many times we want to say this is coincidence, but yet this was the answer to the prayer that I'd been having and even many others who had heard the message. I was floored, and the lady that came with me from the church who was helping me set up, she snatched her head around so fast. I thought she was going to um, hurt her neck. She snatched around and looked at this in total surprise. And she, she kind of had to lean over and say, what, what did you just say? Um, immediately, it, it was just this moment where I wasn't sure if I should preach the same message I had preached earlier, but yet after hearing this lady's testimony, I knew this is something I really need to go ahead and go through with. Um, we just heard the testimony of a lady who was a little girl, just like what I saw in the movie, just like the stories I've heard from my own family. She had survived through the horrors of war and has lived a long, full life. She's been married, has kids. And she came in and she was crying. So, you know, this testimony, which just come out of the blue again, she has no idea what I've preached before, no idea what I'm about to preach. She comes in and she starts telling me she has no idea what happened to those she left behind in Germany when she was two. Um, and that's really what was weighing on her heart that morning, just looking at her own testimony. Again, when you're two years old, you're obviously not old enough to really know the people around you um, to the degree where you can have a long memory of all that stuff. Um, a lot of times those are just faint memories at best. But yet her heart has always been heavy for those who were not as lucky as she was. Now, again, like I said, before I heard this testimony, and I was unsure if I should preach such a, a deep and message that can be depressing, Yet after hearing her testimony and hearing what was on her heart, I realized that it was necessary that I, I preach this. The children of God, they are not forgotten. And those who were left in Germany when she was brought out as a child, they're not forgotten by God either. So let's pick back up in our scriptures. And I'm going to have Pastor Anthony read for us out of Matthew chapter 18. And he's going to read some scripture that we looked at a little bit um, in the first half of this when we did the children are not forgotten. But today we're going to pick back up in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 18. And Pastor Anthony, if you would read that for me. And we'll be reading from the NRSV. I know sometimes people are curious as to what translation we use. Typically we use um, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. You said uh, 18, 10 through 14? Yes. 
Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. So, for those who may know me, I have sheep now. Not a whole lot of sheep. I used to have a pretty good count of cattle, but now I'm just limited with a few sheep. But having sheep has allowed me to have a little bit deeper insight into these parables. You know, we read this and we think about the one sheep that goes astray, and the thing that we really have missing from that is the fact that time... If this situation goes on for a while, the sheep being away, the scenario is going to change. Uh, For those who have had sheep or they've grown up in an agriculture environment, you may kind of have some, some insight into this. But it just so happens that I have one particular sheep that likes to go astray. And again, we think... We tend to think that the one sheep that goes astray is just an outcast. Maybe he's a rebellious rabble rouser. And you know what? That's true. I have one sheep. He's a ram. He's sort of the male half of the species. And he is that rabble rouser. And acknowledging the truth of of simply just calling him a rabble rouser doesn't do justice to the full significance of his rebellion. So of the sheep that I have, most of them are pretty tame and docile. But I have one particular ram who has a knack for causing trouble. Now, of course, in the grand scheme of things, he's still a sheep. Um, He's a creature that's very manageable and tame. Even when he's as wild as he is, you can go over there, grab him by his horns, and, you know, lay him over on his side. He's, He's not that bad, even on his worst moments. But, nonetheless, for a member of the sheep family, he is still quite the troublemaker. This ram, he likes to go around and headbutt fences and gates and make for himself various means of escape. And he is one that, once he's made an opening for himself, he is gone. Now, like I said earlier, the species as a whole, they're very docile, and they're also very aware of their place on the food chain. Like, sheep are totally aware that they're, they're, not, <laughs> they're not high up on the, the terms of apex predators. Um, even when they're just a few hours old, they pretty much know that, hey, we got to flock together or else something's going to get me. Um, sheep, they, they have a mentality that urges them to flock together. They tend to flock to one another and desire that all members of their society are assembled together as one. Thus, when one sheep has a rebellious temperament that likes to give into the temptation to break out and cause problems, well, it's not just a problem for that one sheep. It actually becomes a problem for the entire flock. Although the majority of them are peaceful and have no intentions of breaking out ever, Once one of them has escaped, their natural drive to congregate for safety will cause a problem. Because if the shepherd does not come quickly to collect the sheep that goes astray, the other sheep are going to start to go astray themselves. And this happens despite the fact that they don't really want to. In fact, the entire flock can end up being astray as the result of the one. Now, this happens entirely out of spite of the fact that the 99 sheep may lack the intent on going astray, but yet their drive to keep company with one another will cause the 99 to go against their good intentions because they have a greater drive to go and stay with one another. Therefore, one rebellious sheep can cause chaos for all of his sheep brethren, despite their good behavior. In fact, a rebellious sheep can take the good qualities of the 99 sheep that are not rebellious and use those specific good qualities as the means to lead them astray. 
Sheep instinctively know that they are better off together, and the desire to stay close to one another will cause them to follow a single troublemaker astray. And God's children are his sheep. There's no coincidence that the parable of the lost sheep comes just as Jesus is teaching about the stumbling blocks. The one sheep that goes astray is a stumbling block for the 99 that have not. God holds it to sin to make one another stumble. God holds it as a sin when we call stumbling blocks for ourselves, when we set them out for others. And this is just something which is true. And the truth is that there are many reasons why people end up stumbling. Jesus himself says in the seventh verse of Matthew chapter 18, he says, Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come. But woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. Stumbling, if we're honest, it can be caused by the world, it can be caused by others, and it can be caused by ourselves. And once one sheep has stumbled and gone astray, they've set themselves up for further stumbling. They might stumble by getting into a deadly situation. They might stumble by causing others to go astray. When one sheep goes astray, it does cause a lot of problems. It actually affects the world around them. And there are a lot of deadly things out there for sheep when they get outside of their fields. Now, it's true that deadly things might creep into their fields, but the shepherd, when the sheep are contained where they're supposed to be, the shepherd can employ a strategy for their well-being and make sure that they're properly kept. Animals tend to organize their lives around the territories that they inhabit, and people are very much like this as well. And sheep set themselves up for trouble when they leave their field and wander. Wolves, coyotes, even dogs and other domesticated animals can become predators when they see sheep out and they may want to take advantage of them. And we also see that even people sometimes will kill livestock if the circumstances are right. There's a lot of stuff out there, even things like buzzards and whatnot. If they catch a, a sheep that's about to, to have a little one, they can come down and prey on this. There's a lot of animals out there that will prey on sheep because they're pretty low on the food chain. So aside from all the mortal challenges that are posed by predators, there's also another problem for the sheep that go astray. These simple and docile creatures, they can still be really destructive. And if you have owned such things, you realize if they come onto like your porch, they'll not just knock your trash cans and stuff over, but they'll, they'll destroy a lot of stuff just kind of trampling on it and rooting around like they do. They look to eat stuff. And sheep are a little bit more like goats than sometimes we imagine. They'll eat a lot of stuff. And they too are animals, and they can do... A lot of things with their animalistic heart. Their heart, which is, again, even if they're domesticated, still kind of wild, they'll do a decent amount of destruction when they climb around and they can really wreak havoc on someone's property. God is the great shepherd, and he desires that we return home to him. God desires that we be reconciled to him and live within the family of God. Whenever we go astray, we tend to forget that we are part of the flock. We start to think that maybe we don't need that shepherd to guide us. And there are many in our world who want us to go astray, people who want us to live with idols as our shepherds rather than our creator. It doesn't take much investigation to see how many stumbling blocks there are in the world. We're constantly tempted and we're constantly pulled to go astray by the things we desire, by the people who might cause trouble for us. There are always things that make us want to go astray. But yet God's hand of providence comes for us. And I want us to go back to those scenes from World War I and World War II. God holds it a sin when we make others to go astray. And at the time of this message, there are a lot of memes going around on the internet about World War III. 
And one of the things about this that really bothers me, and I'm not here to just be a, a buzzkill about things which are a funny meme, but there are a lot of figures in our news media who are, they have made a political drama out of everything it is. We live in the era of the show. We have a lot of people who they look at stuff and they spend their time talking about how World War III is just around the corner. And we see people who really want to make this happen. There's the James Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies, where the, the villain is a guy who owns a newspaper named Tomorrow. And his whole plan is he's going to make World War III happen because he knows he's not going to suffer. But he just wants to, to make money off the, off the um, war. He wants to sell the papers. He wants to be someone who's controlling power. And he's a totally wicked villain. We have real people who do this in, in real life. There's a lot of people who want to escalate things, who want to pretend like what is petty political drama here in the American sphere. They want to act like this is actually World War III when it's clearly not. And it bothers me that there are people, public voices, who honestly like to see violence just so they can paint others in a negative light. And we see a lot of people who just because they want to get the current president, they want to say, oh, we're in World War III, it's so bad. They want to escalate stuff and tell lies. And when I look at things throughout history, I look at, at situations in that movie, even the young man, the young lady, they're children of God too. The, the figures who die in that movie and the ones who have died in history, these are all children of God who have been led astray and put in places where they're going to die by people who have allowed their pettiness to, to cause so much bloodshed. I look at the world around us and I see that there are people who want to lead others astray just so they can absorb the power off of it. And it is so, so wicked. They want to be people who can control, who can do sophistry. Again, they can lie. They can see things which sound true but aren't. They want to manipulate people and spread propaganda. It is so wicked. These are sheep that would lead others astray. And they are sheep too. They're children of God, and they need to have their hearts returned to God so they can experience transformation. It's wicked when people set out such stumbling blocks. People who would desire that others would be put in such places of horror. It is so, so tragic. There are many who will lead us astray. Those who will even lead the children of God to places of death. Yet, God does not leave his children forsaken. And we know that God does not leave his children forsaken. Each and every one of us, no matter how old you are, you're a child of God. And I know that there are those out there. I know there are people who will be in my congregation. There are those who are listening to this message who have seen in their own lives a sheep of their own flock leave and never return. Some never returned home, not because they went astray themselves, but because they were taken. There are those who will be listening to this message that have been left here on this earth while their loved ones passed on from it. Ones who were trusted into their care were taken while they were still young. They, they watched not as, as a sheep who watched the rebellious one be taken away, but they watched as a, a parent watching their child be taken from them. This is a great tragedy, and it's one which comes and the, the tempter comes to prey upon even such a, a tragic situation and wants to exaggerate it and make it worse. But we must look to Christ and find hope, and find hope specifically in these scriptures that we've looked at today. We find hope in the promise of God there in Matthew 18 that those who humble him and come to him as a child, they will be great in his kingdom. In the grand truth of things, we must acknowledge that our bodies, tainted by sin, they're not meant for long on this earth. Our years are of little consequence, whereas the state of our soul is quite essential. God desires us to live long on this plane of creation, but he desires us to live righteously in doing great works. We're not just here to be idle. 
There are times when God has to come home and collect his sheep long before they have reached adulthood while they are still young. And we know that regardless of our years, God will collect his sheep. And we must have turned our hearts to God and live as sheep in his flock. For he is the great shepherd. In all of this, we give praise to God for his guiding hand. When I heard the testimony of that German lady just a week ago, her name was Frances, um, who escaped as a two-year-old, it gave me such great hope. It was the answer to a prayer I'd been having for really not just that whole day, but the weeks and stuff leading up to that sermon as I would got it prepared, the prayers I had while watching that scene in that movie, seeing it depicted there in movie form as a drama there. It's something where it is, it just racks your soul with sorrow. But at the same time to hear someone whose life basically was the little girl there on the screen and she say, you know, God's hand of providence brought me out of that. For me to see where God's hand of providence positioned her so that she could share the testimony with me in a time when I needed it. I'm reminded that God is the good shepherd. His hand is there to guide us and to collect us. The children of God, they are always remembered. So as we wrap this up, um, I'm going to ask Brother Anthony to kind of wade in on this. He's seen the movie 1917. And just kind of some final thoughts on the fact that we do see hope in the midst of things that we as people want to say is hell. To, to see that that child there in the movie, to know from my own family how many of them did not make it out of that, to hear the testimony that some did, that God is really there with us. And regardless of how many years we have on this earth, he is there to collect us and to guide us. Anthony, what are your kind of thoughts on that movie? Um, I know it's a lot to take in, <laughs> but just your thoughts in response to all this. That is a uh, pretty grand question. But, um, well, firstly, I think that the movie did a really good job of, I think, just communicating about life. It didn't try to push its own fantasies into the movie. Um, it reflected pretty well, I think, a realistic expectation of the events that occurred. And I also think that that God is present even in the places that we would say are like hell is definitely something that is harder to consider outside those situations, but it's sort of like how the saying goes. There are no atheists on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Um, whenever people are in those situations, I think oftentimes it is only the fact that God is that can help continue to push them and give them hope and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think I remember times in my own life where I was, you might be able to say I was scared to death because I was really, really scared. And, um, you know, you just naturally cry out to the Lord and hope that uh, he'll be there. Yeah. And then to hear that God really was there, to, to hear someone's testimony. Again, she didn't come and articulate it to me in like full sermon format. I mean, she's just somebody who's a human being coming to share your story, um, to give her testimony. <clears throat> to see that was so powerful. And really what's weighing on her heart is, you know, what about those left behind? And that's something which she's lived with her whole life. And yet we know that God is there to care about them. We may never know on this earth. That maybe one of those things which is mysterious we can't explain. But yet God's hand is there for us. 
Well, Anthony, could you close us in prayer, and we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Yes, I can. Gracious Heavenly Father, help us to um, proceed out into the world after hearing this message, that we can proclaim your gospel and that we can glorify you. Lord, we pray that we would remember that even in the darkest places and the saddest of times, that you're still there with us and that your redemption is still available to us and that we still have a calling on our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And with that, thank you for joining us. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.